0: This Women's Agenda podcast series, The Leadership Lessons, is supported by Salesforce. A three-time Olympian and a 4 times Commonwealth Games champion, my guest today is recognised as one of Australia's greatest athletes. But there's also a lot more to her story than her sporting achievements. I'm Kate Mills, the host of Women's Agenda's podcast series, The Leadership Lessons, supported by Salesforce. In this episode, I'm joined by Dr. Yana Pittman, Olympic athlete turned doctor and advocate for the Australian Cervical Cancer Foundation. She shares how she made the transition from athlete to doctor and all the peaks and troughs along the way that have shaped her into who she is. Janet, it's fantastic that you could be with us here today. Now, you are really well known for being such a top athlete. I couldn't even think about running the way that you run and jump. And you've had so many international career heights that I probably can't list them all here. But let's just say it started with you winning the gold for the Youth World Championship in 1999. And then it goes all the way to the top at the World Commonwealth and Olympic Championships. I want you to pick one or two of those experiences. Which one or your wins or experiences means the most to you and why?
1: Oh, goodness, that's tricky. I I probably got two that I like the best. Um, one of them was when I won the Senior World Championships in 2007 in Osaka, uh, probably because I had my little boy, uh, Cornelia, seven months before the championship. So it was one of those races where you went in thinking, if I just make the final, it would be a minor miracle. So to come home with the gold medal that day for Australia was a little bit out of the world for me. So that was probably my highlight and be able to share that with him. Um, And the second one is actually not athletics. It actually relates to bobsled. So I was very lucky to be both an Olympian in the summer and winter Olympic games. So I went to a couple of Olympics in athletics and then was very lucky to be signed over to bobsled and go into a completely different experience and, and take up the ice. And I love that because the pressure, the pressure was off and I was able to enjoy that with another athlete. It wasn't just an individual sport. There was two of us in the team. And uh, it was just amazing to sort of really stop and smell the roses along the way where there, where there wasn't that much pressure and you just got to really experience the love and enjoyment of an Olympic Games.
0: Oh, fantastic. I want to come up to that first one that you mentioned there because you'd had your, you had, like you said, you had your seven-month-old son with you. What's it like as an athlete combining it with motherhood? You know, how, how do you make that
1: work? I have no idea in all truth. Um, Okay, look, I've always been someone who's tried to throw a million things in at the same time. So I have done, you know, medical school at the same time as having children. And uh, I, I find that I get a little bit anxious if I've got too much time on my hands. So I feel every moment there is. And I guess therefore having training alongside having a little man was was a a, a lovely delight so it got me off my butt got me out there getting fit again after having a baby Uh, I very much enjoyed my pregnancy and you know put a bit of weight on and just became a real woman through that period and so therefore it was nice having a goal to sort of get back to Uh, you know babies cry and I think as many mothers we always feel like failures because he doesn't feed well or he doesn't do the right thing and you think oh my goodness I'm not doing not doing well at this so therefore having my my career alongside it was was a way to keep me sane
0: so, so it gave you balance, essentially. It gave me balance. That's
1: the right word. I just couldn't find it. You, you gave me, you gave me the right words. Yes, it gave me, it gave me balance, so that I was, I enjoyed both aspects better.
0: Mm. So, why did? You, how did you get into athletics? I mean, did you come from an athletic family? How did it all get started?
1: Not at all. So I, I got into athletics because uh, my father was a, an amazing man and he worked so many hours in the day. He's, he's over 70 years old right now and still works every single day on the building As He's an engineer, but he also builds many houses. Um, and he would take a day off work to come and watch me race. So it was my way of saying, right, I'm going to make my dad have a day off and he's going to come and enjoy the, the you know the track with me. So it literally started just to impress my dad. And then somehow around the age of 14, 15, I started looking like I had a little bit of potential um, and ended up qualifying for the Olympics in Sydney my home country um, when I was only 15 years of age so it fell into my lap in truth in all honesty I wanted to be a doctor all my life so as a young person all I ever did was study hard and you know make silly potions and feed them to my poor brother Um, and then all of a sudden yeah um, just because of my dad I fell into this amazing sport.
0: Mm. And, we, and we are going to come and talk about your medical career because you are a doctor. But just on that point, I want to ask, is it important for athletes to have a view of what their life is going to be like after? Because in the end, athletics is quite a sort of short, uh, it's a shortish career, you know, in terms of when you're at the, when you're at the top. So, so is it important to have something beyond that when you start?
1: Absolutely. It's a great question. And I think there's, there's twofold there. The first thing is, as you say, the sport is so short. It's such a minute part of your life and it's over by the time you're 30. But the other issue is that quite often athletics, anyone, any athlete's career doesn't often go the way they want it to. It's rare that you get the goal that you set out to achieve when you first start and often it's because of injury. So you may have your your career short tailed very quickly and you need to have a backup plan. Uh, It's also during the the actual competition, say you get a really bad injury and you have to take six or seven weeks off, it's very easy to wallow in self-pity during that time and if you have another area that you're already focusing on, that sort of career after sport, I think it definitely makes it easier getting through those tough times.
0: Mm. Now, you won two world titles and four Commonwealth Championship gold medals, but the Olympic gold in the end was elusive. So is the Olympics different? Or was it just a case of, as you mentioned there, because you've had some injuries, of course, during your career, was it just a case of bad timing with regards to injuries? When you look back, what do you think about it?
1: Look, it still hurts a little bit. I can't lie. <laughs> said, As I said, you set out, many athletes set out to achieve this massive goal that they set themselves and and often fall short of it. And it's funny because I have had so many amazing um, medals throughout my sports career. And yet that one that I wanted most definitely eluded me. And look, now I look at it and I think it's a positive because I probably wouldn't be where I am now had I gone and won the Olympics. I would have gone probably down the commentary path or the, you know, more of a public speaking role uh, rather than medical field. But um, yeah. I think in, in truth, you just you have to live with what it was. And, you know, I made, I certainly made some mistakes along the way in terms of um, just not handling relationships in my off track life a little bit. It uh, wasn't probably as optimal as it could have been. But a lot of it, unfortunately, is, as you said, luck. You know, the Olympics falls every four years. And uh, I managed to win the world title the year before two Olympic Games. And had it been that a year forward, it probably would have been an Olympic, Olympic gold medal. So, but that's life and I think we certainly learn from the hard times more than we learn from the positives. Um, so, you know, I think I look back on it and realise that it, it shaped who I am now.
0: And, and and in what way? You know, you say you learn more as much from more if sometimes from the hard times than you do from the good times. What's the lesson that you took away from that that has played into your life forward?
1: I think it played into that sometimes no matter how hard you try at something you know we are human and we are fallible um and that there can be mistakes that are made that that you can't always recover from um and but that when one door closes and that for me was a giant door the olympic gold medal another one opens and i as i said i truly believe i wouldn't have become a doctor and i wouldn't have become a woman's health advocate had i gone down that sports pathway more in fact i mean maybe i would have done medicine and gone down the sports or orthopedic route um whereas i think now my whole life is dedicated into a very very different field because I understand struggles and I understand hardship um, and it wasn't just in sport as well you know I had marriage breakdowns because of sport I lost a couple of babies along the way unfortunately with infertility and I, and I had a cervical cancer scare I'm sure we'll talk about but I think there were so many things that were going on in my external life outside of sport that impacted my on-track life um, and I learned I learned so much from those episodes. Uh, unfortunately, they did therefore mean that I didn't probably get the goal athletically that I wanted. But it therefore shaped who I would become become now.
0: Mm. You did mention earlier, and I was going to bring it up. Of course, you're the first Australian woman to attend both the summer and the winter Olympics, and you did. You just did mention that but I'd like to hear a little bit more about it because when you were talking about it earlier one thing that really stuck with me is how solo a career um, athletics is you know it's just you on the field even you know even when you're doing the relay but of course bobsleigh is a bit more of a team event essentially you know there's someone else um was that uh is that better or just different
1: oh yeah I suppose We have to say it's different, but I found it better personally. I really loved having, I found athletics really lonely in in truth. And as you say, you definitely are in a relay you know, you do occasionally get to run in the relay with other people, but you only come together in a major championships. The rest of the time, you know, you run 10, 15 races a year and it's all on your own. You certainly have your coach and, you know, your training partners and things like that. So training's a lot of fun, but the pressure solidly lies on you. Whereas, whereas, in Bob said it was definitely a team. There was my my amazing training um, partner Astrid Regenovic. So she was in front of Astrid Lock Wilkinson now. So she was um she was my pilot. So she took on a lot of the pressure. She's the one who drove us down the track beautifully, and I was just the big muscle in the back that pushed the sled off the top and then got to go on an amazing you know roller coaster ride for for a minute so it was uh it was wonderful from a it was frightening and great to change sports and see that your body could morph into something completely different Uh, but also it was it was really wonderful having to to being able to share that moment stand up there at the olympic games with you know in the beautiful aussie tracksuit alongside one of your close friends
0: you said frightening. Is that because it's really fast? I, mean, I can only imagine.
1: When you crash, it's da- it's dangerous. You know, it's it's scary. It's fast. There's no brakes. I am the brake, literally. That's why I'm called the brake man in the bobsled. Um, and it's it's a it's a thrilling ride. And um, I, I still look back and think, I can't believe I was actually game enough to do it. To be honest, I'm <laughs> such a nerd. I'm like, how was I cool enough to do that? And so, how did it come about? um look it is a quite a good transition from athletics because ultimately you're you're running for 35 meters basically and you're pushing a a big solid thing in front of you so you need to be fast on your feet and big and strong and I sort of I fit that category very well I was actually a little bit too big for athletics it's why I got a lot of injuries as well to be honest because I was I'm an 80 kilo female and there's not many of us walking around at that weight as as a big solid and lean um woman so uh, I think it was just it lent naturally to that event. So um, Astrid, who I trained in, she actually used to be a, a track athlete as well, rang me and said, would you like to come and try bobsled? I think she assumed I'd say, no way. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to give it a crack. So, um, yeah, you know, within a couple of weeks, I was uh, up in Queensland training with her.
0: Oh, fantastic. It's a great story. And I like the fact that you trained in Queensland, you know, for a winter event <laughs> as well. <laughs> So you move, like you said, you, you, you've always wanted to be a doctor, essentially, but you, you have this incredible athletics career. And then as that athletics career is winding down, obviously, you decide to go back to medicine. What, what was the transition like? Was it relatively seamless? How did people cope with you being in the room? You know, you're such an identifiable <laughs> figure. You know, I, I can imagine even now when you go and you meet patients, they say, oh, I've, I've seen you somewhere before.
1: Yeah, regularly, Um, and and it helps in a patient setting, I think, because a lot of the time, I don't know, I think that they feel they can be more honest and they talk to you because, you know, I guess if a face is familiar, even if they don't 100% know percent to know where they know you from um it just allows them to be more open with what they're going through well, that's certainly what, what what my experience has been so um i've really enjoyed that aspect of it but the transition was 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 very swift um you know i, I basically finished athletics in 2012 and i did bobsled and medicine concurrently so 2013 was our first sliding year internationally as in, as in bobsled and it was also my first year of medicine so my university was very accommodating they they love having athletes as a, as a as part of it and it also helped that um that we compete over the summer which is when our season in australia sorry when our university in australia is on holidays so mm. the sport working beautifully and again i've always come back to i really strongly believe having a lovely balance of, of two or three areas in your life that you love works very well so mm. they, they, they they did they did they did each other um you know it helped having both
0: And was medicine what you thought? Has medicine been what you thought it would be? I mean, I think it's interesting because you know you said you know I always wanted to be in medicine, but you go down the athletics uh, track if you like, and then you come back to medicine. Was was it was it what you thought it
1: would be? Hundred percent. To be honest, it's everything. It's everything I ever thought it would be. There's definitely a side of it that came out that I wasn't expecting. I wasn't expecting the um the how much you take home the. The work, you know, how often you overthink the patients at night. Did I do the right thing? Did I, you know, did I make the right decisions? Did I, you know, you're often in your mind, and I think that would be will hopefully go as I become more experienced in medicine, um, and you back your decisions more. But, um, you know, the 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 ability to work with patients, and I'm I'm now fully working in women's health. I I do mostly um, obstetrics and gynaecology now, which is what I've always dreamed of, and I have to say I am extremely happy with my job. I, I love. The job satisfaction is amazing. I love going and working with women and birthing babies and, you know, and, and even the really sad days when unfortunately a lady may be, you know, diagnosed with cancer or, or losing a baby. And I, and I feel like that is an area I, I'm strong in. It's, it's amazing. Mm, yeah,
0: and I can hear it in your voice. And it's lovely to talk to people who really love their job because you can hear the energy. You talked earlier about, I mean, obviously you work in medicine, but you're also an advocate for women's health. What are the issues there that you concern you, if you like, around women's health?
1: Look, I think there are several issues in women's health, but one that I really wanted to talk about today is cervical cancer in Australia. So mainly because it's a taboo topic, let's be honest, Kate. It's hard to talk about vaginas. It's hard to talk about having pap smears or what we call cervical screening now. But it's also one of the cancers, despite it not being talked about that much, that we can entirely eradicate in in a number of years like in in our lifetime which is is kind of unheard of there's so many cancers out there that don't have enough research and don't have enough funding um and are going to take a long time before we find cures for whereas this is one we can highly prevent and also treat so but yet women are so behind on their screening you know a, a large portion of Australian women will be not be up to date with their with their cervical screening yes because it's uncomfortable and I know it's it's a difficult you know to lie there and, and have a speculum exam but it, I've actually been personally affected by it twice now so I've had returned positive tests two times and 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 had to have the treatment and, and just feel so lucky that I live in a country that has that available and, and hope women can start talking about it.
0: Mm. We, we have the vaccine now, though, don't we? The, H, it's the HPV vaccine that all 12-year-olds, I think, is it? Is that right in Australia?
1: Yeah, in year seven all the all the even my son had it um last uh, last year which was really exciting so to come home I had my HPv vaccine mum so yeah we have the vaccine we have the screening and we have the treatment so now we just need to get talking about it and get making sure as many as our women as possible are, are up to date and and, and talking about all gyne, 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 gynecological conditions because you know there are so many things like prolapses and um, cervical cancer ovarian cancer uterine cancer you know discharge you name it it's something that most of us aren't comfortable talking about and we really need to be able to those conversations and and you know enhance our lives. It's so true, Yana. You're
0: encouraging me to say the word vagina as often as possible. When I'm just, I'm thinking, yes, <laughs> need to be talking about it more. Thank you. <laughs> so, how how do you manage it all? I mean, I do I do hear all that energy in you. So it's really interesting because you've got so many different things on. But you know, you're studying as a doctor. You've got three children. Um, you know, you're you're yeah. an advocate for sorry, excuse me, um, four children. What's the secret? Do you think you know to you know, essentially you, you sound as though you have it all although I'm always a bit wary when I say that to people
1: yeah no look I definitely don't have it all and I think I think that's why I have success in certain areas in that I steer away from the things I'm not good at to start off with I leave those to people that can like cleaning <laughs> my husband finally does almost like cleaning in my house um no in, in truth it's because I'm honest with myself. So I do have an enormous amount of energy. And that is because on the days when I feel terrible, when I'm getting down at work or if something isn't going the way I really hoped it was, I allow that emotion to play into me. So if, if that's a day where, for, you know, maybe I need to go for a long walk, maybe I need to go and have a coffee, I need a whole block of chocolate, whatever it is, I give into that. And I don't think many women or people in general are able to do that with themselves and honestly look in the mirror and go, I'm having a day today when my mental health needs care. So uh, it's actually the opposite. I think everyone thinks, "Oh, she's so bulletproof. She's you know such a strong personality." No, I just allow myself to break when I need it, and by doing that and seeing that early, I'm then able to just basically move on and move past that. I let the emotion out, have a cry, really get it all out, and then the next day I can wake up and reattack my goals. And if I didn't allow myself to have those days, I wouldn't have the you know the successful ones as well. So. It's a different, totally different mentality. Rather than being positive, positive, positive all the time, surrounding yourself with all that positivity, I genuinely believe we need to be allowed to be human on occasion as well.
0: Mm. I always think it's really interesting because we talk about our physical health all the time. You know, people come in and say, "Oh, I feel a little bit ill" or "I'm a bit sore." But it's trying to ch- trying to change people's attitudes to be as open about their mental health, you know, and take care of their mental health in the same way they would take care of their physical health is quite a shift.
1: Yeah, it is, and and it is really important because we don't have physical health if we don't have our mental health. So mm-hmm. they go so to, you know they're so combined together, and and we are getting better at it. We are definitely talking about it more, um, and and that's a that's a great thing moving forward.
0: Mm-hmm. So. With the career that you've had and also I think with the openness that you have, you've often been in the public eye and, you know, there's been a lot of headlines, mostly good, but some not as, some not as kind as they might have been, if you like. What do you think about being in the public eye, the good and the bad, and what's the advice you have for others?
1: Look, I think yeah, we have to be authentic and there are going to be trolls and people that, that don't like you and it took me a long time to accept that um, because I am someone who really loves to be liked, like as in I, I genuinely try hard on a daily basis to make people happy and, and hope that in return they like me uh, and it doesn't always happen like that. So certainly I'm very open and very honest because, and I hope that through my life experiences people may learn something or make maybe make not make the same mistakes I made. Um, but you have to be careful because if you're not if you're not you will be hurt in in the press in the in the in the in the media situation and in the current style you, there's many people that can be famous you don't need to be you know an amazing athlete or an incredible cook you you could do an amazing little business at home and on social media all of a sudden you're a superstar so we all have to be very careful of what we are happy for the people to for people to know and also that we are prepared to accept criticism because it's going to happen whether you like it or not and just be true to yourself so yes there was definitely days where i saw awful headlines about myself and often wondered why like they were painful i'm like why what have i done to to be portrayed in that way and you know and you and you just think well couple of things one you were really really young when you became famous I was only 16 or 17 at my first Olympics I had I said too often what I thought <laughs> which was you know which was just being honest about um about how how much I loved Australia and how much I wanted to win and things like that um and then three being sensitive so if you are going to have those the combination of those sort of things you you've just got to make sure you have checks and balances in your life to make sure it doesn't affect you too much that it changes who you are
0: Mm. so the last 18 months have been tough for most people um so how, how how did the pandemic impact on you your family and your career and and this is a question I'm asking everyone what have you done in the last 18 months during the pandemic that you're going to keep on doing
1: oh that's a fantastic question I love that uh well look for me in the last 12 months I've had some of the most incredible experiences of my life I've got married I've had a baby <laughs> and I have life as a doctor. So um, you know, I think certainly in the in that 18 months I got to see on the front line working in emergency in the emergency department during the height of COVID was extraordinary to see the vulnerability in patients, the fear that Australians have, but also how well we did as a nation, particularly in my area, around protecting each other and wearing masks and which I know I know not everybody did, but certainly in the, in my in my ED where we were working, people were so respectful of each other and so kind in that in through that period so it was it was wonderful to see humanity in that in that aspect and I felt a privilege being a doctor um during that time so that was definitely great uh one of the negatives comes back to gyne, gyne cancers if you don't mind me saying is that people didn't get their screening annually of course at times that meant was because um you know, we weren't encouraged to go to the doctor during the COVID um, um, episode because obviously we don't want to be in small quarant- small areas unless we have to be. So unless you were really sick, you don't go to the doctor. But that also meant people weren't going to see their GP enough uh, and coming back to the main message, which, um, as, as you know, I'm the ambassador for the Australian Cervical Cancer Foundation, we saw a real drop in women getting their cervical screening. So um, I think that is a big issue coming out of COVID that we're going to be playing catch up for a lot of our breast screening and our cervical screening in the next couple of months. And we need to make sure that our population gets on top of that again so that we don't see a big spike in cancers in the next couple of years.
0: Mm, Yeah, and it's great to get that message out. What about any practices you took up during the pandemic that you're going to keep?
1: (laughs) Um, we set up a home gym so that I, we could encourage just to continue that sort of training during during the during that aspect. Um, and actually, one other thing that we did was, which I was really like, we set up a little WhatsApp Facebook group, which was with all my close friends. So, and many of us are doctors and don't have time to catch up with one another or have lots of kids. One of my friends has five children, for example. Uh, but it was a check-in app, so basically we just check in each day and, and share what we've been doing and share, you know, mental health, how we're feeling, how the kids going, that kind of thing. Um, and I found that quite a Nice aspect because I know a lot of us were very lonely and there was a lot of issues with being able to see loved ones during COVID. So um, it was a great suggestion of one of my friends, and we still we still do it now. We still check in a lot on um, on that text option.
0: Mm, yeah, I think that's really common. And like I think about myself, and I set up uh, regular Zoom meetings with my family in the UK which normally I wouldn't do, you know, it'd be a bit more irregular. And I said, I've spoken to them more in the last sort of five months and I'd spoken to them in the last five years. It's fantastic. So just finally, looking at your career and where you are now and looking back, what do you think about athletics now? Is it a career that you would recommend to people? Do you think that Australian athletics is going in the right direction? What are your observations?
1: Yeah, look, sure. I mean, we've got some real superstars, uh, a young girl called Liz Clayton, out behind Sally Pearson, I think she may even be as good as Sally looking forward. So we have some really good prospects coming up in athletics over the next couple of years, and I think it depends on the personality. You've got to be strong if you want to do sport, but you've also got to love it. And once you stop loving it, maybe stop doing it. Um, but otherwise, I'd, of course, I would recommend representing your country. There's nothing quite as beautiful as putting on the green and gold, and and you know if you get the lucky that get to be lucky like me and win a title for Australia hearing our beautiful anthem is uh, is quite extraordinary it's certainly it still gives me goose pimples thinking about it so yep it's a wonderful wonderful career but you know it's like anything in life if you if you fall in love with something be it medicine law nursing whatever whatever you know tickles your boat you just got to love it and attack it with gusto.
0: Thank you, Jana. It was a real pleasure to talk with you. And thank you all for listening. And I hope you enjoyed the episode. This episode was produced by the ever-excellent Alison Ho. And if you enjoyed the episode, then make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast player and leave us a rating. To hear more from us, visit www.womensagenda.com.au. And I look forward to hosting you in the next episode.
1: Women's Agenda is proud
0: to partner with Salesforce on this podcast series. As the world's leading CRM, Salesforce continues to be a different kind of Fortune 500 company, one that cares and gives back to the community, yet innovates like a startup. Equality is a core value at Salesforce and as
1: a business, believes that its higher purpose is to drive equality for all. For more, visit salesforce.com.